today as we're turning our hearts toward the Lord and uh, thinking about Him during this Christmas time. And that's one of the songs that they'll be sharing tonight. Uh, Hold on to Christmas, 7 o'clock. I hope you'll be here. Bring some folks with you uh, for a great time of worship. And uh, then afterwards, we'll have a time of fellowship and uh, bring along some finger foods and stay and have some uh, good fellowship time after the cantata this evening. It's been a great morning so far. Uh, We've had a great hour of Sunday school. We had a group over to the nursing home with our puppet ministry. Uh, Yesterday, we had a group at Operation Christmas Child packing shoeboxes. It's already been a tremendous weekend of blessing and ministry, and we're looking forward to what God has for us here this morning. Take your hymnal, please, and turn to number 88. We're going to stand together and sing, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Glory to the Newborn King. Number 88, let's stand together and sing. 88, Hark the Herald Angels Sing.
It was Christmas morning, and little Johnny was sad. In fact, he was actually distraught. You know why he was distraught? You know why he was sad? Because he'd opened the last of his 11 presents, and there wasn't another one. Think about that. 11 presents, and there wasn't a 12th one. And the author that I was reading made this comment. How strange that our culture has turned Christmas inside out. Making it a frenzy of materialism, greed, and indebtedness, and exhaustion. I thought, boy, those words describe a lot of folks at Christmas, doesn't it? A frenzy. I love this phrase. A frenzy of materialism, greed, indebtedness, and exhaustion. You know, we just came through those special days. You remember? It's not too long ago. In fact, I got to thinking about some special days, and I made a little equation up. And it goes like this, Black Friday plus Cyber Monday plus Giving Tuesday equals Broke Wednesday and Depressed Thursday. (laughs) That's where a lot of people live, right there. But that's not how Christmas is supposed to work. Did you know that? In fact, Christmas 
is supposed to make us rich. Now, you heard me correctly. I did just say that. Christmas is supposed to make us rich. But don't take my word for it. I want you to see that in God's Word. And you've got your Bibles open to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And I know that's not the usual text that you were expecting perhaps today when you came in. Maybe you're thinking about the Gospel of Luke or some text like that. But I want you to see that we have Christmas in Corinthians. Christmas in Corinthians uh, here in chapter 8. And in chapters 8 and 9, just to bring you up a little bit and bring your memory where we are, Paul is talking to them about their giving. He's talking to them about their giving. And when you get down to chapter 8, verse 9, uh, he has something very interesting to say. In fact, this is where I uh, say that we have Christmas in Corinthians. I'm going to put it on the screen, and you've got it there in your scripture before you. And I want you to notice what the Bible says. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich... Yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. Let me read that again. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. I told you, he wants us to be rich, but don't check out on me yet. Because we're going to talk about uh, and define what kind of riches he's talking about here. And we'll get to that in just a little bit. Uh, We've called this year's Christmas sermon series, uh, Christmas Begins with Christ. Christmas Begins with Christ. And that's true of the word, Christmas. It's true of the celebration. It's true of the whole thing. This is all about the Lord Jesus Christ. But have you found what I found? I've come to find out, beloved, that every year is a struggle. Every year is a battle. In other words, a conscious effort must be made to make sure that Christmas begins with Christ. To make a conscious effort after that. It's so easy to fall into that frenzy we talked about earlier. Uh, The hecticness of Christmas. The exhaustion of Christmas. It's my goal in these times together this Sunday and next Sunday and the following Sunday. It's really just to help us to remember and refocus and renew and keep our minds upon the one whom we're celebrating. To remember that Christmas begins with Christ and it ends with Christ. And it's all about Christ. And we find that here in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you, through his poverty, might become rich. And there's three main truths I want to highlight with you this morning from this verse when it comes to Jesus. And and they're quite simple, and, and you'll see them there in the text. But I want you to notice, first of all, that he was rich. He was rich. And when you first read that, you think about Christmas, you you may scratch your head and say, wait a minute, preacher. Uh, Jesus wasn't rich. I mean, he was born in a stable and he was laid in an animal's food trough. How, How can the scripture say that he was rich? Well, beloved, this looks back to that time before Bethlehem. Before Bethlehem. This is talking about Jesus before he was robed in the flesh. This deals with his pre-existence. This is talking about his eternality. Always remember this now. Always remember this. Jesus did not have his beginning in Bethlehem. He did not have his beginning in Bethlehem. It was there that he began his existence in the flesh. But Jesus existed long before them. You can jot these references down. I have them on the screen for you there. I'll read them. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. 
Describing Jesus as the Word. Here's what the Scripture says. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. You ever think about this? Jesus is the only person ever born in this world that created His mother. He's the only person ever born who created His mother. All things were created by Him and through Him and for Him. We know the Bible tells us that for all eternity past, and eternity is one of those things we can't get our arms around it. We, we really can't understand it because we're bound by time and calendars and clocks. But eternality, the eternality of God. In John chapter 17, verse 5, the Lord Jesus in His high priestly prayer said this, And now, O Father, glorify me together with Yourself. Listen, with the glory which I had with You before the world was. Men and women understand that there was something before this world and that someone was God. He's existed forever. He's eternal and Jesus is eternal. Jesus is God. He's always been God. He will always be God. And as God, He was rich and He is rich. One person said it this way, as the second person of the Trinity. You know, the Trinity is that word we used to describe God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And as the second person of the Trinity, Christ is as rich as God is rich. He owns everything. He possesses all power, authority, sovereignty, glory, honor, and majesty forever and ever. Amen. He is God. He was God for all eternity past. He is. He is the great I Am. It's interesting how He speaks to Himself in the present there. I Am. He was rich. Listen to Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 18. He, talking about Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. For by Him all things were created that are in heaven, that are on earth. Visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. We just sang about that, didn't we? Above all, we just sang about that. All things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things. And in Him all things consist. And He is the head of the body, the church, who's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He may have, He might have the preeminence. He's first place. He's the head of all things. He's the head of this church. He's the head of the church. He was rich. And then the question is, why is it in past tense? If He's God, He's always been God. And as God, He's rich. Why is it in the past tense? It says, He was rich. Well, it brings us to the second point. And that is this. You see it there in your verse. It says there, He became poor. He became poor. It says that He was rich. And then it says in the verse what? Yet for your sakes... He became poor. You know what that is there, don't you? That's Christmas. That's Christmas. That's the incarnation. Incarnation is a $20 word that simply means Jesus became man uh, without ceasing to be God. Jesus became man without ceasing to be God. He's still God. But now he's perfect God and perfect man joined together. Some more verses. I have the reference there for you. You might want to jot these down and, and look them up later. John chapter 1, verse 14, talking about the Word, the Lord Jesus. Again, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's the incarnation. 
That's Jesus being born as that baby in Bethlehem. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. For our sakes He became poor. God and man perfectly joined together. The incarnation, He became poor for us. Now what does that mean that He became poor? Well, certainly we know that His earthly existence was not one of wealth and riches and luxury. Think about the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. How many in here? Well, I better not ask that question. So I might point to somebody. How many in here were born in a barn? <clears throat> uh, how many of you were laid in an animal's food trough? Uh, how many of you knew what it was to not have a place to lay your head? We know that his earthly existence was one not of luxury and privilege and wealth. It was one of poverty. John MacArthur summarized it this way: Imagine he owned everything. We just read about that in the Scripture. He owned everything. But when he came into this world, he was borrowing everything from men. Unthinkable. You ever think about all the things that the Lord Jesus borrowed? He said he had to borrow a place to be born. And not much of a place at that. He had to borrow a place to lay his head. He didn't even have a home. Many nights he slept on the Mount of Olives. He had to borrow a boat to cross the little Sea of Galilee. He had to borrow a boat to preach from. He had to borrow an animal to ride into the city when he was being triumphantly welcomed as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He had to borrow room for the Passover because he didn't even have a house in Jerusalem. He had to borrow even, beloved, a tomb to be buried in. MacArthur says the only person who had the right to everything wound up with nothing becoming a servant. He came into the world as King of Kings, Lord of Lords, rightful heir to David's throne as well as God in human flesh, but he had no advantages and had no privileges in this world. He came as a servant. Nobody gave him anything. Nobody entrusted him with any treasure. Nobody gave him a home. Nobody gave him animals to ride. Nobody gave him land to call his own. Nobody gave him anything. He served everyone. He had no advantages. He had no privileges. Beloved, for our sakes, the Scripture says, He became poor. Had to borrow everything from others. He became poor for our sake. But can I say to you that this verse is not just talking about His material uh, possessions or lack thereof. When it says that He became poor, yes, He did live a life much of poverty, but this is also talking about something else. And that is, beloved, this is talking about deity. That is God robing himself in flesh. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. These might be familiar verses to you. It says in Philippians 2, 5 through 8, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. But listen, verse 7, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, that is a slave, and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. You see, he became for not only in material things, beloved, listen very carefully, he voluntarily, he voluntarily laid aside his divine privileges. He voluntarily laid aside his divine, he was still divine, still deity, still God, but he voluntarily laid aside those divine privileges. 
What does that mean? Well, J.I. Packer said it this way. For the Son of God to empty himself and become poor meant laying aside of glory, a voluntary restraint of power, uh, an acceptance of hardship and isolation and ill treatment and malice and misunderstanding, and finally a death that involves such agony, spiritual even more than physical, that his mind nearly broke under the prospect of it. Think about this. He is God, but he laid aside, voluntarily, mind you, voluntarily said, I'm going to lay aside my divine privileges. Um, think about all the Lord Jesus gave up when he came for us. In fact, you sang it this morning. You sang this about this this morning. You may not have noticed it. Because a lot of times we sing the hymns and, and we are familiar with them and we miss the truth. But we sang this as our opening song as a congregation. See if you remember these words you sang this morning. Hail the heavenly Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Life and life to all He brings. Risen with healing in His wings. Now listen to this next line. Mild He lays His glory by. Mild he lays his glory by. Born that men no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. Hark the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king. Mild in meekness and humility, he lays aside his divine privileges, his glory. He restrains those things. Why? Because he loves us. And he came to die for us. Well, we said there are three points. We've got two down. He was rich. He became poor. And now finally, I want you to notice he wants us to be rich. He wants us to be rich. Look at the verse again. You're still in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. It says that the Lord wants us through his poverty to become rich. That you through his poverty might become rich. Now please hear me and hear me well. He's not talking about Cadillacs and diamonds and fur coats and gold here. Uh, this is not the health and wealth prosperity message. Uh, those hucksters who preach that have not studied their Bibles as much as they've studied their bank statements. Uh, this is not what it's talking about. This is not saying that God wants you to have wealth and riches untold as far as this world's concerned, like Cadillacs and diamonds and furs and golds and treasures and all those things. He's talking here about true spiritual riches. Now, if God has blessed you with those things, use them for his glory. Thank him for them and use them. Uh, it's not a sin to have those things if you use them rightly for the Lord's glory. But listen, uh, if he's blessed you materially, use it for his glory and praise him for it. But that's not what he's talking about here. This is true spiritual riches. Uh, riches that are only gained, did you notice, it says through his poverty. That's how we know they're not just material things. It says that he wants that you through his poverty might become rich. This is talking about salvation and all that comes with it. Jot this reference down, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. It says, for he made him who knew no sin... To be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The righteousness of God in him. He became sin for us. And he wants us to be rich with true spiritual riches. Now think about all that we have. If you're a child of God this morning, 
If you've received the Lord Jesus as your Savior, you've turned from your sin and placed your faith in Christ alone. Beloved, in Christ, we are rich. I don't care what your bank statement says. I don't care what the bill collectors say. I don't care any about that at all. In Christ, we are rich. The Bible says we are heirs and joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. We've got an eternal inheritance awaiting us. Hallelujah. We're rich in Christ. We have the righteousness of Christ if we have trusted him. And I've got to ask you, have you trusted him? Have you, we've already talked about what he's done in coming for us. And we haven't even got to the end of his earthly life. He humbled himself. He was born, imagine that, as a baby. And submitting himself to all that that entails. Residing in his mother's womb for all that time. And then going through all the processes that we go through. Because he was truly a man. God, but man. And then we know as we go through his life, he lived a sinless, perfect life. And then he voluntarily lays something else down, doesn't he? He lays his life down for us. And he sheds his precious blood and he bleeds and he dies. And he's buried, but he rises again in victory. The Bible says if you will receive that gift, we talk about the greatest gift. We talked about a couple weeks ago, the indescribable gift. The gift of Jesus Christ. So, friend, if you have not given your life to him, I encourage you today to give your life to Jesus Christ. You see, the cradle that we're celebrating now led to a cross, which led to a tomb, which led, of course, to victory uh, over death and the resurrection. And and God desires to make us all truly rich. Uh, Rich to give us those things which money cannot buy. And death cannot take away. So that's true riches. Those things that money cannot buy and death cannot take away. I recently read a story of a missionary team that had been invited to Russia to teach uh, Christianity. And it was Christmas time and they taught the story of Christ's birth and uh, they were at an orphanage at this particular time. At the orphanage, everyone listened in amazement. Imagine now if you've never heard the true Christmas story. And by the way, we're so blessed. We've heard it, a lot of us, from the time we were in the nursery at church. We, we just can't fathom, can we? We can't fathom never hearing about Jesus and, and never hearing the story of the birth of Christ and, and never hearing the story of the cross and, and never hearing the story of the resurrection because God has blessed us, many of us from birth, with being exposed to the truth. But imagine never hearing. They're at this orphanage, and everyone's listening in amazement to this. None of the kids and staff had ever heard this story before. Here's what one of the missionaries wrote. Uh, They wrote, We gave the children some materials and instructed them to create the manger scene that they'd heard about. What a great idea. You know, let them visibly and and hands-on put together this scene. And, and the missionary says, all went well until I got to one table where little Misha sat. He looked to be about six years old and had finished his project. As I looked at the little boy's manger, I was startled to see not one, but two babies in the manger. <laughs> you ever seen that? We, we, we've, we've seen mangers where Jesus got gone. Some might have taken or lost or misplaced it. But imagine instead of one little baby Jesus, there's two little baby Jesus in the manger. And so the missionary says, I called for a translator to ask why. Looking at his completed manger scene, the child began to repeat the story accurately. That's where it gets interesting. 
the story accurately until he came to the part where Mary put the baby Jesus in the manger. Then Misha started to ad-lib his own ending to the story. You know, it's very interesting. Whenever kids begin to ad-lib the Christmas story, like in the, when you're in a Christmas play and the innkeeper is supposed to say there's no room in the inn, they say, come on in! You know, that just messes up the story, right? But he got inaccurate up to this point, and then he began to ad-lib. But I want you to hear what little Misha said at this point. He said, when Mary laid the baby in the manger... I remember they're in an orphanage. Jesus looked at me and asked me if I had a place to stay. I told him I have no mama and no papa, so I don't have any place to stay. Then Jesus told me I could stay with him. So I got into the manger. Then Jesus looked at me and told me I could stay with him forever. And putting his hand over his face, Misha's head dropped to the table and his shoulder shook as he sobbed and sobbed because for the first time in his life, he had found someone who would never abandon him and never abuse him. Someone who would stay with him forever. And so when Misha retold the Christmas story, he crawled into the manger with Jesus because he knew Jesus loved him that much and wanted to be with him forever. My friend, God wants you to be with him forever. That's why he came. The Bible says he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, that all should come to faith. And beloved, when you really think about this verse, and I know we say, well, this is not a Christmas text, but it is. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, I, I love this next part. If you'd like to mark your Bibles, I want to underline the next phrase, yet for your sake. You can write your name above that. Yet for your sake, because of you, he became poor. That you, there you are again, that you through his poverty might become rich. When you consider what Jesus gave for us, how can we help but give our lives to him? And say, Lord Jesus, thank you for giving yourself for me. I give myself to you. Come be my Savior and my Lord. And then for those of you who have already done that, beloved, how can we help but to worship him? How can we help but to praise him? How can we help but to obey him and follow him? serve Him and sing of Him and praise Him and pray to Him. You realize that for our sake He who was rich became poor. That we might have something that money cannot buy and death cannot take away. Eternal life through His poverty through his finished work on the cross and his resurrection from the grave. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Hallelujah. What a friend. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you, Lord, that you sent Jesus 
I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you voluntarily came and gave yourself for us. You became poor that we might be rich through your poverty. And Father, I pray if there's anybody here this morning and they've never received the greatest gift, the Lord Jesus, eternal life, I pray your Holy Spirit to work in their heart right this moment. Show them their sin. Show them their need of Christ. Show them your love. Show them the desire that you have to have them with you throughout all eternity. And to enjoy your presence even now in this life. And Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit to lovingly draw them to Christ, to eternal life. And then, Father, I pray that you would help us all in this very busy time of the year to not be caught up in the frenzy. But, Lord, constantly call us back to yourself, to times of worship and adoration and praise. Lord, to intentionally and consciously take some time out from the busyness of this time to think about the birth of Christ, to think about the incarnation, to think about the glory of the Lord. And I pray that you'll help us as a church family to constantly and continually offer praise and adoration in our corporate public gatherings and our private conversations that we would encourage each other, Lord, to put our focus upon Christ because we know that Christmas truly does begin with Christ. So take charge of this invitation now and have your will and way, I pray. And we give you all the glory for what you're doing and what you're about to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Our closing hymn this morning is 112, What Child Is This? The altar is open, friend, and we've left some extra time this morning. If you need to receive the Lord Jesus, we'd love to talk with you about that, to talk with you more about the cross and the gospel. If you have questions, we'd love to sit down and talk with you about that. I'll be down at the front. Glad to welcome you today. If you're a Christian and you want to come and just pray today, maybe just come and worship today here at the altar, you do that as we stand together and sing 118, it is, I think, 118. What child is this? 118, let's stand together and sing. And you come as God leads.